Tom Ross Parry, how the devil are you? Oh, Matthew Stephen Boyle. Very well, thank you. I'm coming in strong, Tom. You are, aren't you? Um, yeah, calm down. It's that soup you ate. You're just full of soupy energy. I think so, yeah. It's made me super Matteo. Ah! It's Tom Mattack. I don't know what that laugh was. I'm not going to lie to you. What? I I don't understand why I laughed like Chandler's girlfriend in Friends. But do it, it again it, for it me. Was... <laughs> oh gosh, that's horrid, isn't it? Imagine that was my actual laugh and not my like haha before that I do. Haha! <laughs> I was learning some Japanese the other day, Matt, and it was uh, related Hi. to Wario. And it was something that you say in, in Japanese that is where the, the Wario connection is. You familiar Waru. with this? I am, yeah, Waru. Yeah. Waru is. So one's bad. good and bad one's Mario. Uh, is it bad or something? I can't remember. Well, it, it's a pun, isn't it? Because Mario is obviously Mario. Did you see, actually, before we get into this, did you <laughs> see that thread that was going around that essentially presumes that Miyamoto saw some guy on the front of a magazine in 1981 and was just like, that's the hot look I want for my video game. Oh, character. I saw that. I saw that indeed. So he predates yeah. Mario, that, that, that guy in a magazine. He does, yeah. On the front of Popeye magazine, which I believe is still going, is a fashion magazine for gentlemen in Japan. Uh, yeah, that's anyway. Funny. So he made the plumber's name Mario. Isn't there some supposed link that it's for a lawyer for Nintendo in the US. There oh, is I've heard this. story that yeah. I'm forgetting. And I heard it was actually not a lawyer, but a landlord. It might be a landlord. I think you might be right. No, actually, I tell you what, you are right. Kirby is based on Nintendo of America's lawyer. The name Kirby is someone's surname. Correct. Anyways, they named him Mario for that reason, that it was, as you say, a landlord that had given them a break when they were trying to convert all their cabinets to Donkey Kong cabinets. Warui. And... Warui is bad and E is good. Yes. yes. Yeah. So the pun is, it's Mario. And they were like, oh, what about Wario? Because Warui, as you said, is the adjective to describe bad. It's wonderful. And I learned that this week in my Japanese lesson. Did you really? Because we're learning these adjectives. Yes. Uh, at adjectives the are, are, are slightly complicated. I mean, they're, they're easy to use in the fact that you can just shove them next to a, a, a thing you're doing. Yeah. Uh, f- for example, Warui Podcasto. Um, but when you have to negate them and make them negative or put them into shorter, more casual sentences... They're going to become a bit more of an issue, so make sure you learn them, Tom Parry. Learn them well. Yeah. Oh, I definitely will. I have a list of ones to learn. That's my only homework for this week, learn all these adjectives. I just thought I'd mention the Mario one. We're a gaming podcast. People may appreciate that. They they probably will. And you have also been playing Mario, so it acts somewhat of a segue. I do like a bit of Mario. I've been playing the um, Mario 3D All-Stars. 
Uh, as I mentioned briefly on the last episode of the podcast, uh, and, and I think I was talking about the uh, menu being a bit, you know, the front end of the game being a little bit bare bones. A little minimal, yeah. And that surprised me a little bit. Not bad. It's kind of classy. Uh, it's got the soundtracks there that you can listen to off the main menu. It's very easy to navigate. Uh, but Ma- Mario, Mario, I was going to say <laughs> Matt, but Matthew, right. Yes. But Matthew, how could I persuade you to invest in this particular collection as you are not a fan of Mario 64 uh, and not really big into the other two games on there, I, I gather? No, um, right then. So what I understand about the the minor modifications that have been made to these three games... Yeah, what do you, what do you know already? There has been very... Very small tweaks and changes. Uh, one of them actually would probably get me to enjoy Sunshine more, though I imagine you less. Is that they flipped the inverted controls back to regular controls? Correct. Were they inverted on the GameCube? Um, yes, Flood was inverted on the GameCube. Oh, and I found it it... incredibly tedious. Okay, yeah, that was my frustration point when I first uh, started playing um, Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm, I've got used to it now. But I, I think I just, you know, muscle memory, whatever, you know, I expected it to be inverted. I did not realize it was originally inverted. I just thought, it oh, it must have always been like that. <laughs> and strangely, there is no option uh, present in the game to re-invert it. That option doesn't exist. They've just gone. No, that was wrong uh, because it's inverted, and, and they are correct. It is wrong to play inverted. Well, Tom Parry, shame. Everything um, was inverted back in the day, Matthew. You're wrong. I, I just don't understand why you, you would. You played put Star the Fox in. recently? That's inverted. Shh. We don't talk about Star Fox. <laughs> Star Fox is a perfect game, Tom. It's not dirtied by inverted control. It must be inverted. No, I, I mean, to be fair, right? Like, it's an accessibility thing. Like, I don't understand why, if they've gone to the trouble to, like, make it the correct direction, why you wouldn't just put in a control option to invert it. It seems silly. It was already there. I, I don't know. I think it involves making new menu assets. Because as you'll see in the screenshots or any footage you've seen of Sunshine, they didn't change the uh, depiction of the X button. It looks like a GameCube X button, you know, when you're switching between the uh, jetpack flood and the uh, gun flood options. Okay, that's a a very small thing that I think they could have changed. Yeah, I think that previously in the 3DS Zelda games, why not here? I think things like that you would have expected they change, which probably give this um, collection a bit of a mm, feeling that it may be a little half-arsed. But I think half-arsed is a little bit too harsh of a term to use for this collection because it plays very well. I don't have a problem with it myself. Um, you know, despite the fact I expected those controls to be inverted on Sunshine. Um, I think some people have uh, not liked that they didn't go the extra mile and uh, present Mario 64 in widescreen. Right. Okay, so it's just... Is it is it still 4x3? Yeah, it's still 4x3, Mario 64. I didn't even realise that. Wow, that's interesting. Which, you know, could be uh, considered a little bit lazy, considering it can be done. They did it with Sunshine. Um, I wonder if Nintendo have a reason why they chose not to go down that route. It's at least very um, authentic to the original experience of playing Mario 64, which seems to be the angle they've gone with. Rather than try and do something that is uh, different, very different, yeah. that, that they've gone for the authentic original feel, for the most part. 
But why? I mean, like, they didn't even do that with Super Mario All-Stars. Like, yeah, those yeah. games are rebuilt from the ground up for the Super Nintendo. It isn't like they have a history of keeping this authenticity, authenticity of how these games are preserved and going, no, we will not touch no. them. No, no, no. Well, so... to be fair with you, right, if they are talking, if you're saying that they have not even bothered to, like, modify the, the, the HUD in the game, the HUD for Flood, then... <laughs> I can imagine they what they would probably have to do, and this is me being completely backseat game developers, probably they would have to figure out a new way of cameras, right? Because then you would have to allow for that wider viewpoint. And maybe the game just isn't built for that. Maybe they can't get the camera to be zoomed out. What, for Mario 64? Because, of course, Sunshine yeah. is widescreen, yeah. Um yeah, they've done it for Sunshine, but not done it for 64. Maybe there's, yeah, as you say, maybe there's a technical reason why it's more difficult. It must be a limitation. However, I, I am led to believe that the fan community has been able to create a version of Mario yes. 64. I mean, <laughs> the fan community was also 69. able to like make a more HD version of this game, which is some people's complaint with it also. What, what is nice, though, is they've gone into things like Mario's M on his cap and his eyes, and they've upped the resolution of those assets and it's the same with the paintings that mario will jump into in peach's castle yeah uh they look a little bit sharper less blurry than they used to be and Is overall everything's very sharp sorry what are you gonna say have they, have they introduced any new portraits or is there still just like four portraits are old save but files in the or... castle i always remember that the the pictures there aren't that many of them are there in in the castle yeah. There's a picture for every level. That's how you enter the levels, yeah? That's a... what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, no, I remember... I remember jumping into the pictures, but I remember them all being very similar, or at least, like... Uh, well, some repeat themselves, I think, because there's several areas that are the same, Yeah. isn't there? I tell you what, I haven't got that far. I've got about 20, 21 stars uh, at right. present, so I can't say I've played it for hours on end yet. I've been playing okay. a bit of Sunshine and a bit of um, 64. I haven't even uh, started on Galaxy because it just seems like one game too many to start on. Three games yeah. is, uh, especially of the, the length that they are. Uh, I know Mario 64 isn't the longest game, but uh, Sunshine I never finished. So I know that's definitely going to keep me busy for a while. Yeah. By the oh, way, I... the camera, camera in Sunshine is, is frustrating at times. The camera in, in Sunshine was always frustrating, though. Because it gets stuck this. behind walls, and, and there's too many high walls that the camera seems yes. to get stuck behind. Um, I just hmm. also remember that game is not very good at telling you what you need to do. It's a bit too open world from what I remember. But again, this is like 20 years ago now, probably, since I last played this game. Well, I, I don't think the levels are too massive. Uh, so it's usually fairly easy to find, at least at the beginning, which is, you know, that's the, yeah. what's fresh in my mind. I definitely have played further than that um, back in the day, but we're going back to when I played it on GameCube then. So, uh, yeah, you're yeah. Testing, testing my memory a little bit with that one. It's about 18 years ago, I think, right? It came out about 2002, from what I remember. Or was it 2003? Somewhere yeah, yeah it was an earlier GameCube game. I imagine it must have it been. It wasn't a launch March, title. the year after the console launched, I okay. remember, because I was going to get one, and then I bought a PS2 and got Final Fantasy yeah. X and Metal Gear Solid 2 instead. Uh, it's, it, it's very odd, is Sunshine, as an entry into the series. I feel like it was 
there in a market where you had uh, a lot more sort of story-based 3D platformers. And of course, Mario 64 hasn't really got the story other than the princess is captured. So with Sunshine, it feels like they were trying to develop a story for a 3D Mario game. And they went off on his, uh, you know, going on holiday and then there being the imposter who, you know, they mistake Mario for. And yeah, it's, it's an odd, it's an odd game. <laughs> yeah but it's good i mean it's just not quite as pure as some of the other entries into the 3d mario series what i come away with from playing 64 again is how good it was for the time it was made in terms of yeah. how tight those controls are when 3d platformers were still a new thing mario 64 managed to get it so right so early on i mean say what you like about the camera i don't think the camera's that bad really um, no, I think it's actually pretty good. Only a couple of times can it get frustrating, and you can't center it. There's no button to center it directly behind Mario, which can be a little bit frustrating. Um, which is a welcome addition in Sunshine for sure. But sixty-four yeah. is just—I think it's a masterpiece. Matt. I, I really do. It was way ahead of its time, and it really showed. If you take a character that only really been in in two D before, what an amazing transition! That yeah. they made such a good 3D platform game, first time off the bat when when the genre was in its infancy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I completely can relate to how groundbreaking a game it is. That it completely changed the way that we experience platformers. Yada yada yada. I, and I I just don't agree with that. The controls are that tight. I just remember it being very fiddly and that's kind of I'd came I'd come off the back of playing it after I played Banjo Kazooie which is kind of a rookie mistake. But yeah. I just I don't know. Camera feels a bit awkward. Some of those leng those levels like the friggin' penguin slides are ridiculous. The physics in them's all over the place. Really? I don't have a problem with them. Maybe it's oh, because you played it after the fact. Maybe. Then again, I'd not played a lot of Mario 64 um, until after I'd played Banjo-Kazooie. So <laughs> so I'm in a similar boat as you, but no, I, I think it's it's very I'm good. I remember enjoying Banjo-Kazooie a lot more. I'm trying to think what other 3D platformers I would have played. Rayman 2? To be honest with you, most of... No, I didn't even play Rayman 2, which is odd, because mm. I loved the first one. I think I was... At that point in time, I think there was a bit of me saying, I don't really want to play 3D games. I was getting more like secondhand Super Nintendo things. Mm. Because I the, the 3D games that I'd had for the, the PS2, I mean, Crash 2 is a great game. Um, I remember getting Croc Legend of the Gobos and going, oh, this is, this is all right. And I, I remember hating Rascal. That was an awful game. Yeah. I had I had the choice between Rascal and Wild Nine, and my dad convinced me to buy Rascal instead of Wild Nine, and it's one of those obvious things that I always regret. Oh, you were trying to make your mind up, and he just said, "I'll just get that one." I didn't want <laughs> to get it. He just kept going, "Oh, I think you should get this one. I think you should get this one." And my dad has no interest in games. He never has, never will. But it's I think he just thought he... that it looked more something on my level because he was like a radical kid rather oh. than. This really serious and if we know thing. anything about Matt Boyle, it's he's a was a very radical kid. I was, yeah, I was. I was the most radical of radical kids. <laughs> With his cap um, on backwards, he not, rolled into game Wild on his Nine. skateboard. 
Sorry. I, I did. I, I, it was a Woolworths, actually. I did a kickflip right. before I, I picked up Rascal from the shelf. No, I've never played Wild Nine. It's always one of those games I'm always being curious about. I have Wild like... Nine, yeah. It's, it's, it's a shiny studios game, is it not? I believe so. Dave Perry game. I could be wrong. Yeah, been a while since I've I've looked at that game, but uh, definitely played it at some point. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to correct myself as well. Mario um, Sunshine didn't come out in the UK until October 2002. Um, uh-huh. I was remembering actually the release date of uh, Metal Gear Solid, which came out in March 2002. But it, I got the year right at least, so half. Yeah. Months, I 2002 guess. bought Metal Gear Solid. Tactical Espionage uh, Adventure, is it? And Mario 64. Both those games in the same year. Um, Mario Sunshine. Oh, 64. sorry, Sunshine. Wow, 64 was ahead of its time. It was. Because 64 was be 97, fair, like, was it not? I will tell you, Tom, because I have the power of the internet at my fingertips. I'm pretty sure um, it's, it says it 97 was. on the... Uh, 96, Tom. Okay. That could be because of Japan, I suppose. Yeah, yes. also... If 97 what, in Europe. Yeah. What I've noticed or heard about uh, Mario 64 is this version is not the original version that was released. It is a port it's of the, the second DS release one. of Mario 64. Yeah. Uh, which uh, I think is the reason why people are are missing so long. So long, ye Bowser. Because, of course, in Japan, he was not called Bowser, but King Cooper. So that line wasn't in the uh, Japanese version, which is what this seems to be based off. I also hear that a lot of the speedrunning community are a little annoyed because there's stuff they can't do in this version of the game. Ah, that they, they fixed, fixed for the, for the one, second yeah. release. For those not in the know, yeah, the Mario 64 got released twice, but not the second uh, version of it didn't get released outside of Japan. This was because they... they it's got a name, but I forget what they call it. But it has the uh, rumble um, features, and also they did things like fixed glitches and stuff that was in the original. Yes, they Mario did, 64. and I can't remember what it's blinking called. It begins with S, I think. But um, yeah, yeah, of course, Mario sixty four on on the on the Switch does have those rumble rumble um, features intact as well. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I said to you uh, before this, I saw it listed locally for about 250 kroner, so about £28 mark pre-owned, where someone had clearly bought it and gone, no, actually, I don't want this. I I bought into the hype. And I don't know, even that wasn't enough to entice me. I could have easily quite pulled the trigger on that and got this limited edition copy, but... As Maybe I was to you before the podcast, I've looked in BR, which is like the big mm. toy shop here. I've looked in supermarkets. It doesn't seem to be about, which makes me think they never got it in. But then I don't know. I don't even have high hopes for it now being something I'll pick up in a flea market in five years that everyone has. Yeah. Well, I'm a th- I'm a, I'm a three D platforming kind of guy. Like you're an RPG kind of guy, right? So yeah, yeah. If, this... had this been like. Actraiser collection, I would have been there. Like I was going to say... Oh my god, speaking of which, there's a Power Strike collection coming out for the Switch with all of the Aleste games on it. That's nice. That's good to hear. I know. That I'll be all over. Sorry. Um, no, I was just going to say, for this could be Final Fantasy Anthology. I'm trying to think of an RPG collection. Yes, that only had two it, games on it, though, didn't it? It um, did, but I went out of my way to import it from America all the same. But Even there you I go. Played those game on emulator. Yeah. So 
if if this was Final Fantasy Anthology, I'd be as you were about it or are about it. No, but anyway. right, my thing is, had they had they done something to these games, had these been a remake of sixty four and well, they'd done nothing to Final, in Final Fantasy Anthology, had they? Yeah, they did. They added cutscenes. Did they? Yeah, they did. I can't. They added. It's, it's, uh, they added. Hang anima- on, it's four. It's four and five. Toriyama animations to Chrono Trigger in the Final Fantasy Anthology collections. Right, you were getting confused. Yes, they did add cutscenes. I'm gonna stick There's by this. There's two it's versions of the Final Fantasy Anthology collection, aren't there? There's an America one there which are. has got Chrono Cross on it too. Is it or Chrono? Trigger? No, Chrono Trigger Final Fantasy Four, and then Final Fantasy Five. Is... Oh God. <laughs> no, because I haven't. I don't own four for the PS. I don't own four. It was five and six came together, and four and Chrono no, came together. No, 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 no. They switched it separately. when it came to Europe. I'm telling you, I'm a hundred percent on this because I've bloody owned them. <laughs> oh, it's four, and, it's four and, in Europe. It's four and five. Yeah, on, probably. Yeah. And the six but was released separately. Yeah. Yes, and that's what I'm telling you. But the American okay. version is five and six, and then four and Chrono Trigger. Well, there was an okay, right? Fair, fair enough, fair enough. We've went <laughs> off, off on a on a tangent here. So yeah, which is weird because we didn't even get Chrono Trigger for the PS One, did we? We didn't get it until the DS, DS release. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, we got Chrono Cross though. We did not get Chrono Cross, Tom. Did we Chrono not? Chrono Cross only came out. We got Chrono Cross only you came know. out in America. You've shut me down with your knowledge of RPGs. I, I, I was bow about my to head say, you just, you just even said I'm the RPG man. Don't come at me, You're boy. You're the RPG I'll, man, I'll and I should just shut up and let you talk about something else. Go on, man. You've got the floor. Yeah, um, what have you been playing? So, speaking of games I really like, Tom, um, <laughs> I may have a new top 10 entry into my favourite games of all time. Yeah. Uh, and that is with uh, Super Giant's new game, Hades. Ah, you mentioned this last time. Right, so Briefly. so I, I talked about liking it last time. Long-term listeners of the podcast will know I've been besotted by games by Supergiant. Um, even, like, since Bastion, I played that game. It was one of the first games that I got all 200 points for on Xbox Live because I loved it so much. Then Transistor came out around the time we moved to Denmark, and I played it, and I was like, well, it's a bit more slow than Bastion. The, the looked really nice, but the narrative wasn't as strong as the idea of the kid and the guy narrating it. And then Pyre came out, and I loved the story of Pyre. I think Pyre is a fantastic game. It made me realise, hey, actually, arcade sports titles are not too bad, and there's also a lot of strategy to it. Perhaps a little long, though. However, I would say that I think Hades is not only a consolidation of that super giant design philosophy so amazing artwork great story beautiful soundtrack and tight gameplay but they've also kind of taken a wealth of ideas from things like dead cells and kind of the replayability of spelunky and they've merged these things together they've also been aware of games outside of the ones that they've developed to create something that is one of the best experiences i've had playing a game I have never beaten a roguelike. I've never bothered to put the time in. I've beaten Hades twice. It's so good. It's so, so good. Uh, did you not finish um, Hollow Knight then? 
I did not. I got yeah. to very near the end and thought, bugger this. It take it was taking me like fifteen minutes to get to a boss that I would die on. Yeah. And then I would have to oh, trek right. back okay. to retire yeah. that boss. Where whereas Hades, obviously, like for those of you who don't know, it is a roguelike adventure. Um it stars um you play as a character called Zagreus, uh, who is uh, Hades son. And I've actually been watching, there's a no-clip documentary series about the making of this game, and I really recommend you check that out. It's really interesting. Um, they've been talking about, like, they wanted to go deeper slightly with Greek mythology, so it wouldn't just be, like, the people, the, the gods that you are familiar with through God of War. Disney and everything else, God of War. But they they really tackle it in a very interesting way in that, you are Zagreus. The whole point of the game is essentially you want to escape hell, and I will leave the reasons as why you want to break out of hell, other than wanting to break out of hell, um, because they are story specific, and you find them out as you're going along. You want to break out of hell. You, the gods of Olympus, have become aware of your existence. Hades, who's your father, he doesn't want you to leave, and so he has essentially set the the creatures of hell onto you to try and stop you leaving. Um, as you progress through the game's various areas, I won't say how many there are, because, again, I think some people think as spoilers, you will slowly get what is called boons from the gods. And these are essentially, when you go into an area, you can either pick up gems, which you can use to like do things to hell, to like make your runs better, or just aesthetic things like changing the pillows. Um, you can get darkness, which is kind of the currency for leveling up between runs. You can carry over some things like better healing or better rarity for boons, which I'll explain in a second. You can also get coins in the runs that you need to spend within the runs, because if you don't, they disappear, so they're kind of like your XP. Hmm. And... As you're going through this game, like I said, you will you'll get a choice on the doors, and the, they will tell you the next area what you're going to get. You go into an isometric arena, you kill a lot of monsters, and then you're rewarded with the thing before you fight through a couple of things and get to an M uh, mini boss or an M boss, depending on which route you take. As I've said, the gods of Olympus are aware that you're there. They give you these things called boons, and essentially what they are are modifiers to your stats. And as you might imagine, uh, because they are given to you by specific Greek gods, they are all... Your knowledge of like Greek gods, Tom Parry, as someone who's not really that into mythology, but someone who has consumed a lot of media, will inform your decision of what you're going to get from those things. Like, you know when you pick up a Zeus spoon that you're going to get Electric lightning. Lightning, yeah. You know when you pick up war, you're going to get like attack increases. You know when you... Uh, Ares, sorry, not war, but god of war. You know when you pick up um, Aphrodite that people will be charmed and so enemies will fight for you. You know that Hermes is going to make you quicker. And so you start yeah, to... Yeah. Icarus can't as... fly very well. Icarus is not in it, Tom. Icarus <laughs> is not a god. But yeah, oh, thank you for the... Oh, sorry, yeah. he's not a god. It's I've right. just put my foot in it. You have, Tom Parry, and exposed yourself. As I was saying to you, the gods you know, Tom Parry, will be in it. But... um. 
So yeah, you can kind of just build a playstyle, and as you go in through, you also have different weapon options as well. So there's a sword, which is obviously short and fast. There's a spear, which is slow, but you can get distance. There's a shield that you can Captain America throw, and a few more other surprises. But the great thing about this game is, is yes, while I was originally starting to play it, I was like, oh, well, I've got crap boons. Like, I haven't really got <laughs> That's any... That's funny. Su- <laughs> got crap boons. I've got crap boons. <laughs> I got things that don't suit my playstyle, or I'm I'm only getting things that build my special attack and not my regular attack, so I need to press different buttons. Hmm. But what you'll actually find is, as you play more of the game, getting those random boons at the start and not really knowing how you want to play kind of make you play in new and interesting ways. Yeah, And so you by the time you've played a couple of runs, you get the combat under your skin relatively well without really a need for a tutorial. Mm, good. And so, you as you go through, like you obviously the enemy attack patterns are relatively straightforward and very simple because <laughs> the areas change, but you need to be able to mince through these things as quickly as you can. Because of that, you get very good very quickly. In my experience, like you, you learn to polish off stuff, and you'll get to a boss and you'll probably die, but you'll know, like you'll be like, okay, well, I can kill everything I think in this first area, and it's not to say the game doesn't throw surprises at you, but it's a very easy game to pick up and play and learn, but then it's quite tough to master because I cleared the game with the spear because I I'd liked that additional range. I found that if I used Poseidon's traits that I could push back enemies so I could keep the Poseidon is water. He is Tom Parry, good job. Yeah. Thank you. You've redeemed yourself. <laughs> um and so you were able to push things back and I was like, okay, well I can use this up until the final fight and I'll be able to I'll be able to make short work of things because I can hide behind cover and I can jab around the cover. Sure. And I, I beat it, and I was landed, and I was like, yes, I've beaten this game. Okay, I'm going to try another run with another weapon. So I picked up the sword again, and then immediately like got rinsed on the second boss and was like, oh, no. As as actually my skill being the fact that I've just learned one weapon and I've leveled it up significantly, oh, no. <sighs> but as it turns out, Tom Parry, a lot of that skill mm. is innate like you you will pick up that skill because i i managed to beat the game with the sword it turned out the boons that i was picking up with the spear weren't really the best for using the sword and so i focused on more things like your special attack with the sword sends out like a ring around you and so with athena and goddess of wisdom you can all of your all of her specials have deflect so i was like right okay I can do a lot of crowd control by pressing X to do this spin attack around me. And then if I also have Athena's thing, it'll also deflect all like oncoming projectiles. Uh-huh. So as I relied on that a bit more heavily than I would have with the spear, I was like, right, okay, I've got a, I've got a play style here and I, I managed to beat the game. It just it makes you take little adjustments to your play style in order to not take you out of how you want to play because I still am very aggressive. I still like running in and doing stuff but it allowed me to really appreciate how deep the combat is in the game and now i'm playing it through with a bow i almost beat it 
on the first run because it was like right okay i kind of i have an idea of what would work at range because they worked on the spear what if i try these components but then i also mix in some of Ares's thing which is shooting blades as well because then i can keep distance but then i can also have something that's working like a circular saw for when enemies charge at me it is an incredibly deep game yeah it is incredibly good action strategy action strategy but it 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 just it feels like a hack and slash tom honestly it is it scratches that same itch that a, a streets of rage or a double dragon oh really can you play it multiplayer uh you can't unfortunately oh, that's a shame maybe the sequel maybe the sequel if Who they knows? do a sequel yeah. it's super giant super giant no. hasn't traditionally done sequels but no to be fair this game has been in early access for so long and they've been working on it for so long maybe they will do updates to this who knows this is genuinely a game that i would gladly see updates to though i don't think because of how the story works there's really a way to do that beyond mm. adding other areas but I, mm. I could see it it could work I would not be opposed to it because I really enjoy the game. To me, it sounds a little bit like... Uh, is it anything like Diablo? Yeah, very like Diablo. Yeah. Um, and they even, like in the documentary, the Noclip documentary, they were referring to it as like a reverse Diablo because you're mm. not obviously trying to get into hell to kill the devil, you're trying to get out of hell. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's good. Um, because that's less... where, where... The only experience I've really had of one of those sort of games where you, you're thinking... You're thinking about what weapons yeah. to use and what to combine with other weapons in order to be most effective against yeah. your enemies. And it's a very satisfying uh, feeling, customising your attacks, your abilities, your armours and such. And to be fair, right, I think it's a less full-on Diablo. So I think mm. it's an even more accessible game. Yeah. Because... You are. It is luck of the draw, obviously, like Diablo is. But you're you're not upgrading your weapons so much while you're in the thing. You're just getting these boons, and your choices are more around. Hey, should I go through this door and get money, because I know then that I can pick up an extra boon or a pomegranate, which will like level up one of my boons. Or should I go this way because the chances of me getting health are higher through these mm. kinds of doors. It, it becomes a balancing act, but it's not... It sounds like a lot, I'm sure, but it is so well done and so easy to understand Right. that you just jump into it, and it, it's mm. very addictive. It's got that... Not since Spelunky have I had a game where I've just gone, oh, one more go, one more go, uh, one yeah. more go, as much as this. And the writing is so good, and the way they use the roguelike structure to tell a story that is essentially every time you die you return to the kingdom of Hades uh -huh. and like all of your friends are still there and like oh well you didn't escape this time or you because you've happened to die at a certain point then you've not killed one boss or one of your friends is talking to another character perhaps they usually wouldn't and you get glimpses of the story that way it's super cool Is honestly it's one of the best games I've played in ages yeah great art style yeah also, the music's great, man. Like, honestly, it it won't... The story won't get in the way the same way I think it would have for you in Pyre because Pyre was a lot of, like, almost like visual novel. Yeah. Here there is story, but the writing's so good and so well voice acted, you don't really mind. Mm -hmm. But to be fair, you could also just 
mash Y if you wanted to and just skip through it fairly quickly and then get on to another run. Mm-hmm. Okay. I honestly, I, I haven't played a game this good in a while. I I think it there would have to be a very, very strong game in the last quarter of this year for there to be a better game for me this year to knock it off my game of the year. Because, wow. like I said, I think it's probably in my top ten, if not my top five games of all time. So it's so good. Am I right thinking it's only available on Switch, PC, and Mac? It is, yeah. Um, it was That's interesting, isn't it? It was on the Epic Game Store, if you remember. Uh-huh. And so it came out there as an exclusive in early access. Then they released it on Steam, and now they've released it on the Switch. Yeah. I would, Tom Parry, hazard a guess, and obviously I, I don't know anything, I'm just guessing here, is that they would probably release this game on the PS5 and Xbox One X rather than doing it on the... the but it could Switch. easily run on this these next, this current generation. I mean, it runs like a dream on the Switch. It runs on the Switch. So why they would not release it for those PS4, Xbox One, and then make it backwards compatible? Who knows? I, I, I don't know. I mean, that's I'm very the, glad it's Everything's the going that way. <laughs> it is the perfect game to be on the Switch, because I can just pick up and play it really quickly. Yeah. Maybe that was part of their thinking. Let's get it out on Maybe. the Switch first. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't got that far in the No Clip documentary, Tom. I'm sure there will be a thing there for it. Mm. Because it, um, historically, uh, how have they usually released their games? Uh, Supergiant. Do they usually release them on all formats? Because what tended to happen previously was yeah, put it on Xbox One, PC, uh, PS4, yeah. and then later you'd get the Switch port. But this is a bit different. From what I remember, I mean, like Bastion was originally um, Summer of Arcade. The first yeah, Summer of Arcade Bastion yeah. came out, so that was on the 360. I think Transistor also came out on the 360. From what I remember, but you played it on PS4, is that right? I don't think I did. No, I think I played it on the 360. Okay, I definitely played Pyre on the PS4. Yeah, but I still, I still think we were living in Billund at the time when I, I played Transistor. From what I remember, I'm pretty sure I played it in Grohoin. Um, so it would have been very. I'm sure it would have to have been 360. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking that up now. I'm just curious to see how they're releasing it is, these. It has since come out on everything. I mean, like I own Bastion on Vita. Like they. Matthew the Boyle. Very well. Um, no mention of Transistor. Releasing on 360. Really? Um, Nintendo Switch, PS4, Windows, Mac. When did Transistor come out, Tom? Transistor came out 2014. Oh wow! No, so yeah, it would have been. It was a PS4 game. Never released on Xbox platforms, strangely enough, despite appearing on Windows. Interesting. Mm. Huh. I guess it must have been a very early PS4 title then. Yeah, because I, I seem to remember as well you playing it uh, in our flat we had. Was I playing it in the flat? For some reason, I yeah, thought I was some memories in, of that. I thought yeah. I was playing it in Billund. Oh well, never mind. There you go. Very cool. So that's a, a big recommendation from yourself, Matt. That is. I I love get it, it honestly, Tom. Even you, I I think this even is, if me. you if you liked Bastion. I never played it. Game oh my god, have you never played Bastion? I've seen you play it, but Oh mate, Bastion's so good. I think Hades is probably better. I think you should play Hades, but like Bastion is a 
phenomenal game. <laughs> I think this is better than Bastion, which is Bastion has been in my top five games of all time, which is why I'm trying to figure out if I if I dare dethrone Bastion from one of my answers for what's your favourite game of all time. So Matt, uh, it's Hades first, Bastion second. How do uh, Transistor and um, Pyre then rank? Transistor. Huh? Pyre then Transistor. Okay. Cool. I would I would honestly say I think that depends on who you ask because I know a lot of people who could not do Pyre, but mm. I like visual novels. So for me, mm. that game was great. I just loved okay. the world building and all the story in it. I think if you weren't into that, i.e. yourself, Tom Parry, I think you'd yeah. probably prefer Transistor. It's, a, it's, it's like Bastion, but it's a lot more tactical and a lot more slow-paced. Right, okay. Cool. Yeah. Education. It's a good game. I I can't speak its praises higher. Honestly, mm. I I it it is fantastic. Great. What else have you been playing, Tom Barry? <laughs> well, something quite different. Uh, WWE Battle Grounds. Is it called Battle Grounds? Yes. I think it I'm is. glad you remember the name of the game that came out last week. <laughs> The week before, I think. It came out yeah, the, it same, was the same day same as Mario, right? Mario, and I got them both on the same day. And I was had my fingers crossed this was going to be the new version of All-Stars because I found yeah. that game, WWE All-Stars, to be absolutely fantastic. Um, this game is similar in a lot of respects. However, I don't think it's quite as good. Um, no, this is what I feared. I feared it is the best game since All Stars, but it is not better than All Stars. No, I think uh, I jumped straight into the story mode, and I found the beginning first uh, load of fights to be incredibly easy. But yeah. no, no skill. You don't need any skill to do that at all. Right. And that to me is not a good start. You need a little bit of challenge. Um, so we'll see how the game progresses. But you can choose from several in the story mode. You can choose from several sort of rookie characters to play as. Yeah. And uh, yeah, or, or I don't know if you can. Gosh, if you can choose, or you get forced to play as one. Anyway, I end up being as one right. of these characters. The story is told through uh, comic book cutscenes, which seemed a little bit cheap to me at first. I thought, oh, yeah. we don't get a proper video cutscene here. We just get a comic book that you have to zoom in on to be able to read. I've also heard that the art is not really the art of the game, right? There's kind of like two distinct styles going on. Oh, it's not too far off. Um, it's 2D, of course, when you're reading through the comic book. But um, they, they seem to complement each other well enough, I think, in my opinion. Low times on Switch, yeah, the low times are a little long. I would prefer yeah. them to be faster for this type of game, at least, which is, you know... you you. It's quick. It's fast. The, the matches aren't going to last that long, especially not the beginning. Yeah. Stylistically, in-game graphics are very nice. Uh, I like how they've taken sort of the action figure approach to rendering these uh, characters. Yeah, it looks good. It, it, it plays... It's fast and loose, and it plays well enough. Tutorial's reasonably well implemented... Because you can just go into playing the main game and it will give you tutorial hints. And after you've pretty much done everything you can do, it tells you, well, that's tutorial over. You you should now know the controls. But it's very loose the way it introduces them. You know, it doesn't force you to sit down through a tutorial. Right. Which is quite nice. It just things pop up on screen as you fight. Oh, did you know you can do this? Did you know you can do that? Because essentially it is quite easy to pick up and play. Uh, 
But yeah, you've got some over-the-top moves that in All-Star style will launch your opponent up into the air as you slam them down into the ring. Everything's just been amped up and over-the-top in the way that that other game was. Um, yeah. I like it, but it's not as satisfying as All-Star's. And it's That's hard true. to put my finger on exactly what it is because it does a lot similar. Yeah. Yeah. Um I can recommend it. It's not a full price game. It's £35 on Switch. Um, And I think it's the same on the other consoles. It's also on Xbox One and PS4. If you're a fan of wrestling games and you liked All-Stars especially, then it's a bit of a no-brainer. I just hope that the difficulty starts to ramp up. They've got some neat ideas in yeah. terms of the uh, cage matches. They've got an electrified cage. So you've got to be careful when the warning comes up, the cage is going to go electrified. Then you need to get off the cage. And yeah. I like that because that feels a bit fresh, a bit new. And it just suits right. the extreme nature of the of the game. It's over yeah. the top. The critique I've viewed of it is that there's not a lot of characters on the roster. And not to begin with. I'm hoping them... there's more. <laughs> I was going to say, like, there's a lot of them that are supposedly going to be DLC. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, out of the main lineup, under you got Undertaker. He was uh, yeah. selectable from the beginning. I can't recall, you know, uh, Stone Cold and The Rock are on the front of the case, but I'm not you sure have if to he... buy a specific version of the game to get Stone Cold and The Rock. Really, the version I bought came with a code for Edge, I think. Right. Uh, so, yeah, the, the, maybe the roster isn't great. And whereas with uh, All Stars, you had Ultimate Warrior, you had uh, I think you had Macho Andre Man. Giant, I think you, oh, you had the you had the classics. And I always kind of anything wrestling related, I you know gravitate towards the older wrestlers, or yeah. even the Attitude Era. I think you know with Stone Cold, The Rock, Triple H, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've not followed wrestling really beyond that point. No, so. me neither. I, I've watched the occasional um, <laughs> WrestleMania with our good friend Sam, but other than yeah. that, I've I've not really kept. Up yeah, with it. I think I've general... never really been a wrestling guy. I've just no. kind of like enjoyed the spectacle of a, mm. a pay per view event and then mm. drank some beers to it. I I hear that there's a cool online mode, but the the things I was hearing on Giant Bomber saying there was not a lot of people online. Ah, oh, it's a shame. Um, I haven't tried online yet on it. There's like a, essentially like an endless Royal Rumble mode from oh, what wow. I hear. Yeah, Royal Rumble would be you, great. Yeah. You fight four people and then like if you win, you stay on and you, you go higher oh, and higher and you can essentially great. play unlimited. Great idea. But I hear there's not that many people playing it online. So matchmaking takes a long time. It's going to be one of them games that, yeah, it's going to be hard to get good multiplayer matches out of it. I mean, unless they make a, a free version of it, right? Like, I can ah, see sure. a game like this, if they are going to monetize the roster that much, it becoming a PlayStation Plus game in, like, February or something, and then they're making a free-to-play version of it, and yeah. then you have to pay for each character. And make it cross-platform multiplayer as well, so I can play it with everyone. It is cross-platform, Tom. Oh, it is. Multiplayer. Yeah, that's right. The multiplayer here. works across all platforms. That's yeah. good to hear. Uh, yeah, so I've still obviously got a lot to explore with the game. Uh, I've really just been focusing on that story mode so far. Um, But yeah, the multiplayer side of things, yeah, definitely going to have to check that out. So it's difficult to say, oh, rush out and buy it. But for that audience who have been craving that style of over-the-top wrestling game, then it does do it 
well. It's not a disappointment. It does right. it well. It's just not got that magic. That's hard. That in, intangible magic that I can't quite describe what it is. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Yeah. I well, to be fair, I know that the the developer Saber Interactive yeah. did um, that NBA Jam style game that came out a couple of years ago, and I. I've heard that that's a similar thing, that it, it kind of does the job of NBA Jam, but it doesn't quite yeah. capture NBA Jam. Playgrounds, it's called. Just yeah, yeah, I know, yeah, I know the one, yeah. It's it's a, it's a copy, but it's not got... It's, yeah. It's not got the soul. It doesn't understand why yeah. All-Stars were so good beyond aesthetics and like quirkiness. So looking at Saber's history is quite interesting as a developer. You know, d- yeah, they've they done did... lots of stuff, right? They've like done Combat a lot. Evolves and things. Huh? They did Combat Evolve, the anniversary update. Yep, and they also did uh, Inversion, if you remember that, <laughs> back in, in the day. Uh, Quake Champions, um, more recently, uh, Playgrounds 2, Road Redemption. Oh, yes. World War Z, Killing Floor 2, Crisis Remastered. Huh. It seems like they're a studio that does a lot of like remasters, but I mean, they made. Did they do Time Shift? You've got it open. Uh, time Shift, yes, they did Time Shift back on I PS3 so. 360. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was. It wasn't a particularly memorable shooter, but I mean, it looked nice. They seem like a studio who can do the job. They yeah, do the exactly. job, they do it workmanlike. A workmanlike uh, studio. No, uh, no, I'm I'm sure that they, that, you know, no one says so to make a bad game. I'm sure they do a bang up job. I'm sure they they probably given a lot of restraints and not a lot of budget, and they do the best they can. So, because this game wasn't even supposed to exist, right? This game only exists because of COVID. Really, um, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, I I think that's what the story is, right? I'm sure that this was supposed to be another WWE year. Ah, uh, okay. Um. Oh, right. Okay, let's see. So it was released September the 18th in lieu of 2K's normal yearly WWE game, which was cancelled due to both the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic and negative reception surrounding 2K's previous title, WWE 2K20. Yeah, I thought there was I thought there was an air of they'd announced this very quickly because of COVID, so maybe they didn't have a lot of time. To fill a, a know, space... Tom. Yeah, maybe maybe later down the line, maybe there'll be some patches, maybe there's some updates, maybe it'll be more fun. Who knows? Yeah. Well, there you go. That That's mostly what I've been playing. I think I talked about Hot Shots Racing last time, which is yeah. well worth pecking up. That was my that was my recommendation of last week. I've also been playing some uh, Super Punch Patrol. Um, yeah. I think I also mentioned that was very much, if you're a fan of Streets of Rage, this is I still uh, haven't picked it up. I really want to get it. I want to get the... Oh, it's the blinking game that I linked you the limited edition Switch for. Oh, uh, Going Under. Going Under, yeah, that game yeah, looks, looks rad. Good. I just haven't... I've been playing Hades so much that I've not played anything else. I'd also been playing Moon. Yes, the um, RPG, Moon, yeah. The RPG, which I mentioned a lot. Did I mention it last week? Did I don't I think we it? went into detail about Moon, but it's sort of a lost RPG, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's one of these games that came out in Japan, and I remember the first time I went to Akihabara... Um, I was looking around and I saw it in cases and was like, what the hell is that? That looks really interesting. That character looks like Vivi on the front cover. But 
essentially the the gist of moon is a lot of people who worked on these classic rpgs that we were talking about up front the the earlier final fantasy games and super mario rpg uh, left square enix to form their own studio and kind of made an anti-rpg which is what moon is known as mm. you don't you don't I... fight in it is it it's the opposite of yeah exactly it's more fighting. it's more of a puzzle game but like it, it's a very impressive one it's it's like an rpg adventure because there are there are definitely like role-playing game elements well no there's not really actually that's a bit of a stretch it's right then tom parry have you ever played a game called the legend of zelda majora's mask yes you know how in Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask, I'm going to say the full title every time, mm. you, uh, on your quest to stop the Skull Kid from bringing the moon mm. down on, I uh, almost t- said Twilight t- Town, but that's Tim- Kingdom Hearts. Timmy, Timmy, Tamira or something. Tamira, yeah. Is it? I oh, could be wrong, but something on, with On your t. quest to do that, Termia. Legend of Zelda, Majora's Mask. Um, you do a lot of running around those three days and characters are kind of clockwork and that you'll know always know where they are mm-hmm. in the world at certain times during okay. those three days. You remember how everyone thought that was really impressive and like, yeah. wow, this is this is great. Um, Moon did that like five years before Majora's Mask and it does it with a seven-day cycle. Oh, yeah, um, okay. Yeah, it, it's a very interesting game. I was trying to explain it to someone at a party on Friday because he'd asked me if I was playing anything interesting. They had mentioned they were playing Spiritfarer, which is also a game I need to check out. Which I've heard about cool. Spiritfarer. It just, it's and a great concept. I don't know if it's it the kind safe. of game I would enjoy. but It looks beautiful. I, I hear it's very heartfelt. I hear the story yeah. there. It is definitely one I will tuck into at some point. But they were explaining to me Spiritfarer. I was like, yeah, yeah. I've heard. I hear it's awesome. I want sure. to pick it up. And then... I was trying to explain to them about Moon. And like I said, uh, how this anti-RPG thing works. You are a character. You, you start the game by playing through some like RPG vignettes of like your typical experience as a kid when you're playing an RPG. Um, of like starting out in the world and like fighting animals and leveling up and going to an end boss and all this kind of stuff. And then you get sucked into the world of Moon. And you realise that the hero is actually a bit of a knob and no one really likes him and the things that he is seeing as like violent animals are actually just like cutesy forest creatures that he's killing for xp and the whole aim of the game is essentially you connecting with the townspeople and doing small tasks for the townspeople to earn their love and when you earn their love you level up your love levels rather than like your combat power Okay. To try and help this world that's in a really bad state. Is it anything like Animal Crossing in that respect? That you no. do little jobs for people? No. No, because you're not just like doing fetch quests and stuff. Mm. There's like puzzle elements to it. Okay. It it kind of feels somewhere in between an RPG and a point and click. Like there's there's certain things you can do and certain ways you can interact with the world mm. that are quite playful and quite yeah. nice and it's oh. got a very warm feeling to it that i've not really experienced in a game for a long long time and that I, makes I me interested it, in trying it i find it hard to draw parallels to it honestly it is mm. a very very unique game and i think so many things have come out afterwards in the jrpg space that have kind of tried to like riff off it mm that to fi- finally play this game and understand where some of those 
less traditional JRPGs have come from is really interesting. Mm. That said, Hades come out and I've not thought about it since. But now you've finished Hades? I well I've I've done two runs, Tom, but yeah. one of the four weapons to do runs with, so you know. You're still very but, much into it then. Yeah, no, I, I will go back and play it. Like I said last week as well, I've also started Trials of Mana, which is a fantastic remake of Psycho and Densetsu three for the PS4. It does everything you wanted that Secret of Mana remake to do, which is a bit of a shame because I would have I have much more nostalgia for Secret of Mana than I do Second Desu three. Because I, I played that on a ROM. Like I, I bought Secret of Mana, I owned that game, I love mm. it to pieces. And that is a game that could have really done with this careful treatment because the story mm. doesn't make a lot of sense. There are lots of like glitchy bits to that game. And Playing Trials of Mana only confirms that's what I wanted from that Secret of Mana remake. As much as I've said, I don't mind it. Playing this now and seeing what effort Square Enix could have put into it is a bit of a shame. But I will play more Moon. I will play more Trials of Mana. But at the moment, my top of mind is just like, oh, I'm just going to have a quick run of Hades because I can get in and get out. I've beat the game in like 25 minutes on my last run, so it's not that long a thing. Hmm. Well, now you're a certain level, I guess the enemies now, aren't. Now that I am able to, like, I know all of the attack patterns and stuff. Yeah. I can I can get through a run in about 25 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Trust me, Tom. There's a lot. I I took me about. Th- it took me 27 runs, I think, to beat the game. Okay. So, it it, it can take a while. I nearly beat it on my 14th run. And I was super happy because everyone I know who's playing it was like, oh, yeah, I don't expect to beat it until like your 30th run. I almost beat it and I messed up at the last second and I died. I was mm. so pissed off. But yeah. I was like, oh, well, okay, I know I can do it. I just kept then getting bad boons. But like I said, they told me to play the game. Okay. Contender for game of the year, maybe. Contender for my game of the year, yeah. Um, I still haven't played Spiritfarer. I still haven't played a few other things that I think will probably end up being on there, but I don't think it is a year did, that will be dominated by yeah. two plays. Did you get to play a short hike? I've heard great things about that game. I haven't. It looks gorgeous. Yeah, it yeah. Almost... It looks like so like a PS1 game, doesn't it, in terms of the yeah, graphical styling it of it. But I love the idea of it, that you've actually got a goal, which is yeah. quite... I like that. It's, it's not just meandering around. The guy has an agenda, doesn't he? He wants to use his phone or something, this little penguin. Yeah. So yeah, he, yeah. he's trying to get reception. So his goal is to get up to the top of this, this mountain. Um, but on the way, he meets people and therefore does little t- quests and such. Yeah, it, it looks amazing. Like I said, that whole, that whole indie direct has so many good yeah. things in it. Yeah, yeah. But, it's great. It really is. Yeah, and this is the thing. I'm I'm more than happy to pick up short experiences like that, play them through one and done, and be happy with it. Mm. I I do think this is a very strong year and to be fair, right? Like I I understand that COVID has derailed a lot of things and that bigger games are harder to make and yada yada yada. But like Always, yeah. I'm actually kinda glad because it lets these games fill a void that would otherwise have been yeah, people you know, might just... not have played them because they were playing something bigger at the time. Exactly. Yeah. And I, honestly, I think that's why Hades is probably doing so well. It's probably benefiting from coming out in this drought period where there isn't really that much coming out. Yeah. But we've got the new consoles on the horizon as well. We do. I I, I have to 
make a confession, Tom. I did pre-order a PS5. Um, well done. Well, well, you know, if you wanted one, I'm glad you managed to get one. I uh, it, it was a last-minute thing, and I it, essentially I'd had I'd had Windows open on my phone of the the Danish stores, and whenever I'd get five minutes, I'd just refresh them. Like between work, I would just be like, okay. Is it on here yet? Is it on here yet? And I missed it with Bilka, which is the big supermarket, and Al Gigant, which is the big electronic store. Hmm. So I was going for the lesser ones. Um, and eventually I found one. I When I clicked it, I hadn't seen that they'd had the, the, the console on the store in the morning. I refreshed it. I then saw they had both the digital and the regular version of the console. I clicked on it, and there was like a, a yellow like pop-up like it looked like a highlighted pop-up that was like, look, we don't know how many we are going to get. You are pre-ordering at your own risk. Um, we we don't know our launch allocation. We're going to take pre-orders um, Ooh, of what we dangerous. think is a, a reasonable number. We can't tell you where you are in the queue, da, 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 but we'll, we'll try our best to fulfill our pre-orders. I pre-ordered. It was still up the evening later and i pre-ordered like nine o'clock in the morning it was still up at like five o'clock in the evening i checked in the next day and it was taken down so my hope is i had refreshed it at the right time not long after them putting that up hmm. and i got in relatively early but see if i don't if i don't get one i'm not that bothered yeah but it would still be nice to get one i think before christmas just because my ps4 is ready to die the death but aren't you paying a little bit more for buying it in Denmark? Um, no. So it turns out the pricing that I'd thought was higher last week, the the four thousand Krona console is actually the the bigger one. It's only three thousand. The price difference isn't that big in Denmark between the two consoles. Okay. I think I think it's literally like two hundred and fifty Krona difference. All right. So a slight a slight hike up, but like not as much of a difference as in the UK between the the digital version and the disc version. But ah. free postage. Let's see. Let's see if it turns up. PS4 or the like. I would think PS5. Sorry, I was thinking a lot about the Xbox Series and maybe the benefits of having been able to play all those back catalog back catalog games on there, um, and then thinking, oh, what about the storage? Of course, it's got that solid state drive of one yeah. terabyte, and then with these reports coming in, that it's going to be two hundred twenty quid for the two hundred twenty quid. No, they are two hundred twenty quid. They're available yeah. on on Microsoft.com at the moment. So you can get them. Uh, now that's that, then you get two terabytes solid state. But apparently... No, you get you... one terabyte solid state. It isn't two. It's one. No, no, you get one in the console. Oh, yeah, yeah. You get one in the system. You can get an can additional one, one yeah. but for the price, 220 Now, I've heard the solid state drive is only necessary for playing uh, new games, Xbox Series games. Whereas yes, if yes. you wanted to play original Xbox or Xbox 360 or Xbox One, then as long as you've got uh, regular hard drives available yes you can do that yeah, then you yeah, can yeah, do no, that and and also you'll be able to just plug them in directly from your say you got external drive plugged into your xbox one plug that straight into your series uh, x or s and then yeah. you've got those games straight away you don't have to sort of re-download anything they, they are no, compatible no, no. they just play yeah yeah and that's nice to know that's nice to know so that that made me think oh that's a bit better than i thought because the idea of only having two terabytes to play with it, and that's with buying the two hundred and twenty yeah. um, uh, pound add-on. To, to be fair, right, like a solid state hard drive aren't cheap. 
Like if you compare this to what's on the no, market, I know they're they are about two hundred and twenty quid. I bought one before, uh, but so yeah. like it it's not that different in price. But obviously, you can imagine that as time goes on, those third party solid state drives will become cheaper. Oh, those oh, Xbox yeah. ones will definitely stay the same price as I've experienced through the three hundred and sixty when I bought the arcade. Yes, yeah, so it's nice to know that actually the series consoles could become a good place to play all your old Xbox games. Um, yeah, for sure. Especially to with... To be fair, right, yeah. what I would really like, I was thinking about this the other day, I was like, well, I could just get a Series S like a couple of months down the line. And I was like, but I wouldn't be able to play all of my 360 games that are backwards compatible because they're all on bloody discs. Yeah. So I would need an Xbox One X, which would mean I'd have to spend another 400 quid. We do also have to bear in mind that not everything is backwards compatible. When they talk about no. this, it's always like, oh, yeah, you can play all the old 360. Well, you can play the particular games, but there's there's a lot that you can't play. So you're always going to have to have a 360 at hand or an ex- or, or an original Xbox anyway. Yeah. yeah so yeah. it's not it's not a foolproof solution. It's not like throw all your Xboxes away. This is going to do everything. No. It's I cer- hate it certainly it, won't. to be honest with you. Like I, I had such high hopes when PS5 was talking about like yeah. true backwards compatibility for the old PlayStation library. Like, yeah. yeah, I expect some of them would have not worked properly or whatever. They would always be fringe cases, but like, yeah. I would have been so happy if that would have happened. That would have... I would be able to... I could put my PS3 away. I could put my PS4 away, potentially. Yeah. Like, I definitely, like, wouldn't have to get my PS2 game out ev- yeah. every time that I needed to do a little bit of Yakuza back yeah, in the day. Yeah, it would be very convenient. It's for the yeah. space thing as well, because right now we're on the fifth generation of PlayStation. You could potentially have five of these lined up. You probably wouldn't, because you'd probably play your PS1 on maybe PS3, for instance. But then you got to play your PS2. Depending on model PS3 prob- you've got, you can't play your PS2. My setup will probably end up having to be a PS2, a PS3, a PS5. But the PS5 is absolutely massive. It's not a small console. Like no. you see that illustration going around. Yes, of the, yes, I've seen how big the two it of them is. next to the TV. I'm very glad that I have an old school TV stand that was clearly built to hold VHS because <laughs> otherwise I would not be fitting that in the IKEA one that we almost bought. Yeah. And that's just it, uh, the space, the space thing, and it's not a future. This, well, no, this, it's not an all-purpose space, solution. All that space, Tom. All space, space, space. The buttery biscuit space. Uh, I think we're coming to the end of the episode now. We, we've we've covered everything we wanted to cover this week. I think so. Um, yeah. Anything else I... from your side, Matt? No, I mean, I've picked up a couple of new Game Boy games, but I, mm. I haven't had time to play them yet. I got one called Quest Arrest. Um, but this is I, a new release. This isn't This is a game new, Boy. new Game Boy yeah. game, not just like a... I, the only new Game Boy game that I actually purchased is this ridiculous thing because I found out Konami did um, a Game Boy Advance game in Japan that you could only buy in Disneyland in Japan oh. called Adventures of Tokyo Disney Sea. Uh, there's also a PS2 game. But this is um, that's crazy. Side-scrolling RPG from is that very like collectible? Game? I don't really know. I just thought it was kind of novel. Yeah, definitely. And it was like four quid, so I picked it up. Cool. 
Yeah, um, no, these are new, new Game Boy games. Um, so I got that. I did back a Kickstarter for some Game Boy games, and one of them is called Where Is My Body? And I, as a result of me backing it at a certain tier on Kickstarter, I got all of that studio's previous games in a physical Where is well, my so body? I feel like uh, I've got no, no body would be a better one. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're playing as a hand who's trying to get back to its body because you've okay. been murdered and you're trying to oh, solve yes, so, 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 your so yeah, You have got yeah. a body, it's just where is it? Yeah. Um, there's also some Japanese... God, there's so many Game Boy games come out. Um, I got approached to review one the other day that is called... Oh, my God. See, I'm, having to, I'm literally having to look because there are too so much. many of them coming this way at the moment. Too much. That's well, too I long, isn't t- it? That's, uh... Uh, there's one called Super Jetpack DX uh, coming out that I've been looking at. Is that like that um, Jetpack Joyride game or not? Do no, that one? It, no. Yeah, I do remember Jetpack Joyride. <laughs> it kind of reminds me a bit of a cross between, from what I've seen anyway. Like I, I've only looked at the trailer. It looked a bit like Joust meets yeah. um, Solar Jetman, but like oh. not as frustrating as Solar Jetman. It, it's mm. more like a you're quickly like zipping back and forth the screen shooting things it looks quite cool okay arcade style arcade style and there's also an rpg that i can't remember the name of um called dragon oh gosh i can't remember the name of it dragon quest dragon warrior (laughs) yes dragon warrior how could i forget dragon's curse (laughs) dragon's dogma that's so annoying that I can't remember the name of this game. Legend um, of the Dragon. I know how I can check, Tom Parry. Give me one second yeah, and I'll, stop stalling well, this. I can talk about uh, me uh, rediscovering the 3DO recently. Dragonborn. 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 Yeah. Well, that that sounds like a, a classic name for a game. Dragonborn must have been other games with that title. I think I think you're a Dragonborn in Skyrim. Aha, yes, I think you are right. God, we didn't even talk about that! Skyrim? Oh, Microsoft the Microsoft bought Bethesda. Oh, oh my yeah. God, how did we get into an hour into a podcast before talking about that? Let's not talk about it in length, because yeah. we're already over an hour. We're over an hour. We haven't even um, talked about my 3DO games yet. Oh, God, what did you buy in your 3DO, uh, so I, I care more about your were... 3DO than Microsoft. I discovered there were a couple of fighting games for 3DO only, only released in Japan that I didn't have. Because I, I have the Sailor Moon fighting game. Uh, yeah. But there's also a Yu Yu Hakusho. Oh, how do you say it? Yu Yu Hakusho. Yu Yu Hakusho, I thought it was. Fighting game for 3DO that I purchased, along with an Ultraman fighting game for 3DO, which I also purchased recently. It does not surprise me there's an Ultraman fighting game on the 3DO. Yeah, so those two, and also a puzzle game called Tripped Outside of Japan, but it's called something else in Japan, which I forget. But this was developed by the guy who created D, if you remember D, and D2, and um, Enemy Zero, is it? Yeah, so this is a puzzle game by by that visionary uh, game director I can't remember the name of, and I feel ashamed that I can't, but... uh, I do also have the Japanese um, special edition of D for 3DO called D's Diner, which I think is quite collectible, but I've never been quite Kenji sure because I can't Eno. get the thing out of the box. Kenji Eno is the, ah, the guy Kenji who Ah, Kenji Eno, it. yeah, okay. 
So, um, yeah, I'd be interested to play that uh, Tripped as Didn't well. Did you say you can't get a game out of the box? Yeah, so I have this special edition of D, D's Diner, and it's in a cardboard slipcase. I cannot get the game case out of the cardboard slipcase. Really? Yeah. It's apparently a very collectible game. I read it was only given out in person by the game director to certain people. But Is I can't quite CDO? believe that because I have a copy and it wasn't expensive, so... Ah, uh, well, this is the thing, Tom Parry. A lot of, a lot of Japanese limited edition games yeah. are were relatively cheap until a couple of years ago. Okay, well, well, I'll have to look that one up and find out a bit more. But if you know anything about these diners, then let me know. Um, seems like it's about a hundred pound. Oh, wow! Didn't pay that. I wonder how much Christmas Seaman is because I've got that as well. The Dreamcast. I'm going to look that up for you, Tom Parry. Uh, now, uh, we were talking yeah. about Microsoft and Bethesda, weren't we? We were. Christmas Seaman is uh, eighty quid sealed, so probably not that much. Uh, my game se- the case is the case for the game is sealed, but the slip case, and everything around it, isn't sealed. No, the the yeah, this this is the whole thing is sealed. Sorry, Tom. Yeah, Microsoft and Bethesda. Let's quickly touch on it. Microsoft yep. bought Bethesda for $7.6 billion. A lot of money. Uh, More does that than mean they want Disney paid for both it... Marvel and Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, people like that Skyrim. I mean, to be fair, right? Like, if you look at this, Skyrim, like Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Star whatever it's called, Starfield, the new game they're working on, the space version of Skyrim, uh, you end up with studios like Arcane, who did Prey, you get Dishonored in that yeah. deal. Big um, studios. You snatch away some exclusives from Sony. Apparently there had been talk that Sony were looking at making Starfield a PS4, a PS5 exclusive. Um, obviously, uh, Deathloop is currently a... A, t- a timed PS5 exclusive and Microsoft in a in a bit of a flex were like we're going to let them honour that deal as in uh, we could have told them that no that isn't going to happen anymore but they, they did so you think their intention is to make some of these uh, franchise exclusive to Xbox PC I would say that they are probably trying to make them exclusive to the Xbox Game Pass uh-huh. rather than to any distinct platform I'm sure at some point in time they released Skyrim on everything. You can buy Skyrim on a lot of consoles in a lot of different ways. I assume that Starfield and Elder Scrolls will come to the PlayStation platform at some point in time. Probably not for a long while afterwards, though, and it'll probably try and drive people towards the, the Xbox. Yeah, more of a timed exclusive deal. I think it kind of would be... I don't think you can a make a d- game that big and that yeah. expensive and just no. keep it on one platform yeah, unless yeah. they do become as powerful as they were in the 360 era where everyone's got an Xbox. Maybe, yeah. We'll see what happens there. It For me, it, it makes no difference. Like, I'm not a big fan of Western RPGs. Like, had they bought CD Projekt Red, I would have gone, oh, crap. Yeah, you're done with Doom, have... aren't you? You're done with Doom. Not bothered about Wolfenstein. I don't really care about Doom. I don't care about Wolfenstein. I mean, the fact that Microsoft now owns Doom is really interesting and Quake and all of these things that kind of like I associate with PC gaming are now under Microsoft. It kind of um, makes sense, doesn't it, for yeah, Microsoft to have this stu- this um, bundle of studios now. Yeah. I mean, they they're really staffing up, right? Someone 
someone on a podcast I was listening to earlier said there's 23 studios under Microsoft now. Wow. Like Microsoft's got 23 studios developing potentially exclusive games. It's a lot of studios and a lot of talent too. A lot of good studios like Double they've Fine. They've got them. Yeah, Double Fine. They've got, but Double Fine aren't exclusive to Xbox. Not yet. No. no. I mean, um, uh, Ninja Theory. Ninja Theory. Is that who yeah. did Sacrifice? Yeah. That's a, a timed exclusive, is it? Or, or right I don't now? know. I think the new Setsuna's uh, Sacrifice is is at least going to launch exclusively on Xbox and PC. Yeah. From what I read. So that, that'll be interesting. But they've also got Tango Gameworks now. Uh, so yeah. anything they do, like, is it Ghostwire? I think that's one of their new ones. Yeah. I don't know if they'll have that as an exclusive or not, but any future Evil Within games, um, potentially. Yeah, no, I mean, Tango Games works is always a weird thing, but I mean... Mm. There was talk about apparently that Microsoft were looking to buy Capcom and had Monster Hunter World not been the runaway success it was, then Microsoft would have already acquired Capcom. Like mm, There were the rumours about Microsoft acquiring Sega as well, which there was no truth in. There was also the rumours about Microsoft or someone acquiring um, all of Warner Brothers Interactive Studios a couple of weeks ago, which would of course mean like Rockstar, DTT and a few others, like... And then apparently that deal fell through, so I guess then they were like, "Okay, well, let's buy Bethesda." They've been very aggressive, but but with this Why big I mean, purchase, I don't think they're going to necessarily be purchasing everything else right now. But I They've mean, got... let's be honest, right? Like Skyrim must have earned a shit ton of money. Like I imagine that probably with the Elder Scrolls and Fallout, you can probably make a lot of that back, right? If mm-hmm. you don't keep it exclusively to your platform, it also depends, like. Are they going to charge for those games? Because they have said they will come to D- Game Pass day one. Mm. And that just seems like you're leaving a lot of money on the table. But then maybe you paying, what, Game Pass is like 15 quid? You paying 100 I think it's 16, yeah. pound a year to them is probably better than you paying them nothing. Yeah. I don't know. Like 180, 180 pound per year per person who subscribes to Game Pass. And I believe there's 5 million people who currently have Game Pass. Hmm. <laughs> I think it adds up pretty quickly. Yeah. And to be fair, like my my fear about Game Pass is the same fear I I have now about streaming services is that when one becomes the leader in streaming service, same as Spotify, the same thing I've seen with Netflix. Yeah. They can raise the prices. I don't think Game Pass will be fifteen pound forever. I think that's an introductory offer to get people into the system and into the ecosystem. I think in two years that that can't be any less than like thirty quid a month. Like you think, you, yeah. Well, that's the price you, you, you're going to get the um, the console uh, as well, aren't you? Because it's I think it's like thirty five. No, 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 no. Well, it's it's twenty five quid. Twenty five for the S, uh, thirty five for the X. Thirty five for the X, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's looking times. good for Microsoft. I think you know. I'd be surprised if they didn't have you know some good success this generation with the the, the way they're going with these things. I think I think this will be a runaway generation for them. I've seen a lot of talk on Twitter and a lot of talk of people I know who have PS4s getting taking the leap and buying an Xbox this time already. Like I I don't know. Like my my reason for going with the PlayStation is a I have a shitload of PS4 games and I don't necessarily have a lot of Xbox One games. Mm-hmm. But also I. I'm just I just enjoy Japanese games too much. Well, I this is it, isn't I it? I can't see a world in which 
even this if even if this is massively successful, I can't see a world in which Microsoft wins Japan. No. In in which case all of the your Final Fantasies, all of your Atlas titles and stuff will come to the PS5 first potentially. I mean, yes, uh, Yakuza like a Dragon, uh, Yakuza Seven is going to be on both uh, the Xbox One and that. The that console. is a big shift, isn't it? Seeing Yakuza on 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 Xbox, but that it's been on Xbox for a little while, hasn't it? They released uh, Kiwami Two. Yeah, they did. And, and to, uh, Zero. To be fair, right? Even... I yeah, I assume I assume that maybe Sony will try and make a move with Sega now to try and secure those games again, try and stop them going out. But maybe they maybe they couldn't afford to. Who knows? Yeah, I'm not going to speculate on it. Who knows? No, no, Who knows there, there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Um, speculation yeah. can be fun, but uh, also we can <laughs> you can really get off. On exactly, to... you can like you know this is why yeah. people can into sp- <laughs> conspiracy theories because you can talk about all sorts of things. It doesn't matter unless it's true or not. So. No, no. But wow, we, we've covered a lot of bases on this episode. It's another hour yeah. 20 uh, episode like last time. We hope you've enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, and this one will actually uh, go up on the day we record it. I apologise. It was a really, really busy week. And even though we recorded the podcast early last time, I just had no mental energy to edit it. Um, so <laughs> apologies. No, I don't think you need to apologise, Matt. I mean, it's understandable. People know that you know we have lives outside the podcast so um, we appreciate you sticking yeah. with us uh yeah thank you very much everybody speaking of your life outside of podcasting tom any uh process any oh <laughs> any content coming on blast process is what i wanted yes. to say but yes. i said any process okay so i know you listeners of tom Matt attack love cdi go and check out my cdi collection uh live now on the blast process youtube channel <laughs> i was selling um, that i'm selling that matt come on you I are. really want to see some traffic from those CDI fans. We we feature only... the CDI quite a lot on Blast Process. If only Phillips had given it so much traction in the nineties, <laughs> eh? Maybe it'd be a different story. Um, I will also, by the time this podcast goes up, or just after it, depending on how editing flashes out, we'll have a a second entry into Schmuptember, and there will be another one next week on wow. um, a Macross Seven um, game. Yes. which is a, a rhythm shmap. I can't remember if I mentioned it last week or not, but it, it's a very unique game. Mm. If you haven't, if you like like bonkers anime and you're listening to this, do yourself a favour. Go give Macross 7 a watch. Tom Parry, I can see you really being into Macross 7. Yeah, well, you've you already sent any... me that, that, that uh, music track from Macross 7 that you were uh, yeah. into. All of it is like banging 90s J-Rock soundtrack, but like the, the thing with Macross 7 is essentially it's a about a band called Firebomber and their um their lead singer whose name escapes me at the moment, a Basara. And essentially Nicky Basara is a rock god and he realizes that hey man, he's so talented as a rock musician that he's kind of bono, that he can fix the world. And so he he just flies around in battles, controls his mech with a guitar and oh, wow. sings his songs and um at the start the alien race called the proto devlin that they're fighting are like oh no what is this we don't understand this but then the the military realizes hey if we amplify his sound there's something in the music there's some emotion in the music oh, wow. that is like able to change their hearts and minds and make them more peaceful because it's the power of rock hey, that a is movie. a lot like 
Bill and Ted 3, actually, which I, I do recommend if you get it. It's not out due yet. I literally, I went into the cinema yesterday looking for the Bill and the Ted uh, to see them a third time, and I couldn't. It makes me yeah, very sad. Yeah, um, funniest thing I've seen in a while. I've not laughed out loud at the cinema oh, in a long time. I, I can't remember when I last saw something that I funny. Love, I love, I really like the first Bill and Ted. I, I have very strong feelings for the first one. I like the second one as well, but I love the first one more. And I, I have, I've heard nothing but good things from people who also really like those movies, and so I'm like, oh, I want to. Yeah, if you're a Bill and Ted fan, you're gonna, you know, lap this up. Also, it, it's, it, not, it's not, um, it's not a harsh type of modern humour. It's a real throwback film. It's just genuinely good. funny without being horrible. You know, it, it's quite good. the opposite. Yeah, it's what I need right now, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Got, it Uplifting. Is on streaming services. Oh well, that's how it goes. I will, yeah, I'll hopefully I'll be able to check it out soon rather than later. I'm waiting yeah. for it to come on a streaming service here, but uh, let's hope see. you get to see it anyway, soon. Everybody out there, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. Um, if you have, please let us know in a variety of places um, on tomamattack.com forward slash podcast, on blastprocess.com, and on iTunes and Stitcher. You can listen to this. Why not give us a cheeky rate, subscribe right there. If you want to reach out to us on a more personal note, give us a little bit of conversation, you can do so at facebook.com forward slash attack at Twitter, at TMACast for the both of us, at TomParry11 for him, and at GameBoyle for me. And as I mentioned, uh, Tom has his CDI collection up on YouTube on the Blast Process account, and I will have a video on Macross 7. Um, Shout Love at the Heart of the World, I think it's called, the subtitle. It's wow. Ingan or Heart or something, and I can't remember the last word. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a rhythm shmup. Okay, Tom, always a pleasure, mate. Thank you so much. And everybody out there, be sure to game on. Game on. <laughs>